Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. We're going to continue today in our relationships series uh, as we seek to understand and to grow God-honoring relationships. Sooner or later, we're going to have to have a conversation about what happens, what we're to do when the going gets tough or maybe even the going gets rough. What does it take to honor God in relationship in those seasons? Because you've heard us say several times over the last couple of weeks that relationships are hard. And you didn't need a sermon series to teach you that. Life teaches us that. Relationships show us that it's hard. There's challenge there. We, we believe wholeheartedly in the powerful ministry and the gifting of God through people, through counselors, through professionals that help us navigate healthy relationships. We believe that in ministries like Celebrate Recovery are vital to bringing health and wholeness in relationships. Because they are hard, they're complicated. But it's also true that relationships, that in the end, when we look back on our lives, we're going to really look at two things. We're going to look at the way we've loved and followed and served Jesus, and we're going to look at our relationships. So relationships are, are a, a facet of our life, and, and this, this series is about recognizing, keeping, and growing God-honoring relationships. Because they're just too important to walk away from. So, so how do we cultivate? How do we cultivate and grow God-honoring relationships, God-glorifying relationships when the going gets tough? When the going gets tough, you see, because those relationships and those moments, they are a stand that we can take against the enemy that wants to isolate us and get us to believing we are alone. So how do we do it? When the going gets tough, when the going gets rough, when relationship is hard, how do we cultivate deeper, stronger, healthier relationships through those challenges? I propose to you today it takes loyalty. It takes loyalty. Loyalty to be faithful, unswerving in allegiance, constant, steadfast, resolute in our relationships. You've heard it said, I'm sure, before, and maybe you've even experienced this. You may have heard it said that from someone going through a difficult time, you find out who your friends are. When the going gets tough, the going gets rough, you find out who your friends are. That's loyalty in real life. You find out who your friends are. So today, we're taking a look at the deep commitment and, yes, the willingness it takes to overcome hardships that come through relationships. Proverbs 18.24 says, uh, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer 
than a brother. Will you be that kind of friend today? The friend that sticks closer than a brother. Loyalty. Will you choose loyalty? I want to welcome you back to our teaching series, Relationship Keys. Relationship Keys. Throughout this series, we're committed to seeing God's emphasis on the importance of our relationships with family, with friends, with coworkers, with people we go to church with. We're committed to seeing the importance, God's emphasis on those relationships. And we want to understand and grow these life-giving and important relationships of all kinds. We began our series wrestling with four hard words, uh, the concept and the reality that in God-honoring relationships, it's not about me. It's not about me. I say hard words because I think if we were honest today, if we look in the mirror, that sometimes we wrestle with ourselves, don't we? With putting ourselves first, with putting our interests first in relationship. But the way of Jesus, the testimony of the scripture, is that his way is uh, uh, the laid down life. It's not about me. It's not about me. Last week, we looked at uh, the relationship key uh, that acts upon that attitude of selflessness and sacrifice, the key of empathy, where we respond in our relationships with compassionate, heartfelt acts of compassion, with love and graciousness. And it's a courageous step to take that, isn't it? It's a vulnerable step because we're feeling what other people are feeling. We're putting ourselves in their shoes and walking a mile and responding in compassion. I believe that, friends, empathy is a key that can open the doorway in our relationships for God's grace and his mercy to bring healing through our relationships. Empathy. Today, we're going to look at loyalty. The call to be committed in relationship. And we know that there's real no depth of relationship. There's no strength there until two people have undergone challenges or hardships together. It's in those moments that loyalty will plant the seed for growth, that loyalty plants the seed for fruit through that hardship, where we would see disloyalty bring a a struggle and a breakdown of trust over the long term. Loyalty It's upheld throughout the witness of the scripture as the standard or the foundation of relationships. We see it in Moses and Joshua, David and Jonathan, and even in Jesus and Mary Magdalene. So many more relationships in scripture teach us the importance of, yes, our loyalty to God, but they also demonstrate our loyalty to one another. Perhaps there's no more direct example than from the life of Ruth, a woman who walked the earth close to 3,000 years ago. Her words to her mother-in-law, Naomi, show us the great power and, yes, the great cost of loyalty. When Naomi urged Ruth, her daughter-in-law, to return home where she would be well-fed, Ruth said no. She stood on relationship. She stood on loyalty. Some scholars believe that this idea, this teaching, this portrait of loyalty and faithfulness and God's goodness in the story of Naomi and Ruth is why it's been preserved for us. Because God honors loyalty. Let's turn to Ruth chapter 1 today. Uh, it's pretty early in your Old Testament. Uh, just past Judges, if you get the Psalms, turn around and go back. Uh, but Ruth chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse uh, 1. And the text will be on the screen out of the NIV today. I'm going to read several verses. We'll stop and unpack it. Read some more, stop and unpack as we go. So Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. 
So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elamech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the two sons were Malone and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah, and they went to Moab to live there. So they're fleeing a famine. This is now Elamech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they lived there about ten years, both Milan and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. This is the first five verses of Ruth. This is our introduction to their story. And we can see, we begin to see that their relationship together has been born, has, has endured a lot together. Their bond of loyalty had grown deep and committed through immense suffering and grief together. Through extreme hardship, Naomi and Ruth and Orpah all experienced the loss of their husbands, their spouse. Not only did they process this grief together, they were processing now their lot in life as widowed women. The danger, the risk the challenge that itself posed in that culture. To be a widow in this time was to be certain of suffering. And so we see that their bond, their relationship, was strengthened by the suffering they endured together. Let's continue in verse 6. It says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-law prepared to return home from there. So Naomi hears that the famine is over, that there's food in the homeland again. And verse 7 says, With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. It says, Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Verse 12 says, Return home. Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? She says, no, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. In this story, we begin to see the immense grief and the pain that is racking Naomi's life. As she's looking at her daughters-in-law, she's telling them to do what makes the most sense. Don't go back with me. Go. Find a husband. Live in your home. Stay near your family. Go with them. She was trying to care for them in that moment because she knew there was no prospect for them back in the land of Judah. And so it's from great pain and suffering that she's saying, look, go back home. You'll be outcast in my home. There will be no prospect for you. She says time and time again, go home, go back, stay with your family. In verse 14 it says, At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. You see, Orpah, she concedes here. 
She does what makes the most sense. She takes her mother-in-law's request, her insistence, and she goes to find a life at home. But Ruth stands on loyalty. When we read in Proverbs of a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and we read here uh, of Ruth uh, a sticking or clinging to Naomi, they share a similar Hebrew root word that means literally to be glued together, to be stuck, adhered to one another. That's loyalty. That's loyalty. It's the glue that holds us together in our relationships. Look at verse 15, it says, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Stop. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. Loyalty. Loyalty. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. You see, loyalty for Ruth here represented great sacrifice. When she said, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. This was not just about moving to another nation. This was about leaving behind everything that was familiar and comfortable of her life. She was willing to leave behind her family. She was willing to leave behind her Moabite culture in favor of the Jewish culture. She was willing to worship the one true God with Naomi and the people of God. She was willing to die and be buried in Naomi's land of Judah. And I don't think there was a money back guarantee here for Ruth. She had no idea how this was going to work out, but she was committed to Naomi in relationship. And loyalty. And she said, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Loyalty and relationship. Friends, that commitment wasn't just something uh, Ruth did. It was who she was. That was the nature, the character of a woman that Ruth was, that we are seeing through this story is that the loyalty called for in relationship comes from within. And God would honor that. Because if you would read on in the story, and it's a very short story, I would invite you to just read the rest of it today or in your studies this week. You see, as they make it back to Judah, uh, 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 Ruth would be going out to glean behind the harvesters to try to find food for her and Naomi. See, her commitment continued even to get in the groceries. But loyalty went on, and she would meet a man named Boaz, a prominent member of the community. But Boaz had heard about her character, that within nature that set her apart. And as the story goes, Boaz and Ruth would go on to get married, and together they had a son named Obed. Now, Obed is significant because he was the grandfather of King David. And so what you see is loyalty in the very genealogy of Jesus. And many scholars believe that that's why this story has been preserved for us. Because it doesn't really have, it doesn't explicitly mention God that much. There's no uh, theological undertaking there. But yet it displays his loyal love and how we're to love one another. And it's in the story of Jesus through Obed and King David and Ruth and Naomi. Loyalty. 
so what does it look like today? See, that's, that's 3,000 years ago. What's loyalty today? And I, I would propose to you that it's everywhere. <laughs> we depend on it in so many aspects of our lives. But where do you see loyalty? Where's your commitments in this life with family, with friends, with coworkers? You see, we're called to have loyalty and relationship even within this room, within the church. To be loyal to the call of God, to love one another, to be focused on the mission. How would that transform our experience together as a church? Loyalty. To witness loyalty and to imagine how it might look in our relationships, you don't have to look far. And maybe today you would have to look no further than Mayberry. Mayberry. You know, Andy Taylor, Barney Fife, Andy. You see, through the Andy Griffith Show, for many years, we see a lot of relationship keys. But you can especially see loyalty between Andy and Barney. In season two, episode 10, it's called The Clubman. Uh, and it tells the story of Andy and Barney. They've been invited to attend or uh, to, they're invited to see if they'll be accepted to an elite social club, the Esquire Club. And so they go, and they have a very typical Andy and Barney time as they go. You know, Barney's trying too hard, and he does very much what he always does. He kind of fumbles over himself and creates a few laughs. The next day, the club representatives come by. They're to tell Andy. They stop by the courthouse. They're going to tell Andy whether he's in or out of the club. And in this clip, it's not hard to see loyalty. Well, Andy. Hi, Andy. Well, Roger, Mr. Wilson. Hey, this is a surprise. Well, we're just driving <laughs> up to Tom's place for the weekend. We thought we'd drop by. Uh-huh. Well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andy, about last night. Oh, Andy, I want you to know the boys all enjoyed meeting you. Oh, they enjoyed talking to you. Oh, yes, and you were accepted 100%. It was unanimous. Andy, it's going to be wonderful to have you one of us. Oh, uh, well, what about Barney? Well... You didn't like him. Well, it's just, Andy, we, we kind of felt that he wouldn't fit in. Well, I guess he's a nice enough fella, Andy, and I, I'm sure he's a very competent deputy, but when well, I look, Andy, I got a lot of fellas working for me, and we don't belong to the same club. Well, I guess you could have a fella working for you and not belong to the same clubs, but uh, you see, with, uh, with Barney and me, it's, it's different. Uh, he don't just work for me. We're pretty close friends. Well, Andy, like I said, I I'm sure he's a nice enough fellow. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is, he is just pressing too much last night. <laughs> he, he tried so hard to put his best foot forward, he tripped over it and fell down. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making excuses for him, and you all sure got a right to, to pick who you want. But, uh, well, uh, don't, uh, don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that Barney or me, the one, would fit in at your uh, club. I mean, you got your interests and everything, and, and we've got ours, and, well, let's, uh, 
Let's just leave it this way. It was nice of you to invite us to come up there and visit, and, well, we're obliged to you for that, I am. Well, Andy, it's really great of you to take it this way, and I, I'm sorry you won't be joining well, us. Well, no, no, now listen, listen, now, no hard feelings. And, and just because we won't belong to the same club, while there's no reason why we can't fish the same fishing hole. Oh, well, no. No, I'm glad to hear <laughs> that, You come Andy. on back now. Well, anytime. thank you very right. much. Okay. Oh, we'll, we'll be seeing you, boy. Okay, have a good trip. Thank about to accept one of us. One of us? Uh-huh. You must be kidding. I'd like to punch them all right in the nose. Now, Barney, they ain't no use to get upset. They got a right to pick who they want, you know. Of all the nerve, of all the nerve. Boy, this really steams me. Take it easy. Take it easy, nothing. What are they, a bunch of snobs or something? Now, Barney. Imagine that, imagine that. Turning down a nice guy like you. <laughs> Loyalty. To have a whole relationship series and not bring Andy Griffith in would seem to be <laughs> a challenge. But loyalty. You see, I, I think if we're honest, like we, we all recognize within ourselves that we want a friend like Andy Taylor. We want a friend that's going to stick with us even when it's nothing in it for them. We want a friend like Ruth who is, who is willing to lay it all out to maintain that relationship, to be there for us. But friends, the call of loyalty today is that we are to be that friend in relationship. We're to be there for uh, our friends, our family, our relatives as Jesus has loved us. And really that's the issue of loyalty as we are engaging relationship, we're engaging with the loyalty that Christ has loved us with. It's loyalty. Loyalty is the essence and the character of God and his faithful love. Perhaps the ultimate example is Christ himself. As we see the cross, and, and we remember through the elements, that's loyal love across generations. It's who God is. It's who God is. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5, he says it this way, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Loyal love has reconciled us to Christ. You see, we experience God's faithfulness. We experience loyal and steadfast love through Christ. That's the message of the gospel. That's the love that's been poured out upon us. It's how we can know new life. It's how we know forgiveness is through God's loyal 
love. And as we experienced it for ourselves, we're to respond giving him our ultimate loyalty. You see, I think if we're going to have a conversation about loyalty together as followers of Jesus, we have to talk about our loyalty to him. Because Jesus said some really hard things about loyalty to himself. Hard things. He, he says in Luke 14, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's loyalty. You see, Jesus isn't trying to get us to hate our family. No, no, no. He's saying, your allegiance to me is your ultimate loyalty. Friends, our relationship, our commitment to Jesus and to our relationship with him is our ultimate loyalty. Everything else is under that authority. He is our ultimate loyalty. All of our lives are under that authority of Christ. So we respond to his loyal love by giving him our loyalty. And we hear his invitation, the way of Jesus, how he lived is how we are to love others. He said in John 13, he said, uh, uh, verse 34 and 35, he said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Has anybody been loved really well by Jesus? Yeah. As I have loved you, love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So our relationship should look so different that people know we're followers of Jesus. I need some help with that. I need some help with that. Because let's, let's tease that out a little bit, right? Uh, 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 Jesus, um, this other guy, uh, he voted for the other party. Do I have to, like, he, that drives me crazy. Do I have to love him? Love as I have loved you. Whew. Okay, Lord, what about Uncle Eddie? Uncle Eddie comes to every family event. He drives us nuts. Quite honestly, we dread it when he comes. What about loyal love to him? Love as I have loved you. Okay, Lord. There's this kid at my school. and He's kind of unique, a little bit different. He doesn't seem to have a lot of friends. and I don't know how to engage him. Love as I have loved you. But Lord, I've been inviting my neighbor to church and, and, and they just keep saying no and they even crack jokes about the church and they kind of laugh. But Lord, I see them struggling. I see the pain. Uh, uh, love as I have loved you. Loyal love is the standard that God has set for us. And he says, love as I have loved you. And friends, our loyalty is to the way and the love of Jesus. And so in that loyalty, it's, it's our relationships are embraced in that call to loyalty. Loyalty. 
So to be loyal and faithful and unswerving and constant is how we've been loved and it's how we're called to love others so radically that people know we are different. The love of Jesus is to be something that flows from within because I would want to be the first to admit that I can't pull that off apart from God's transforming work in my life. So this is not just a beating to go do better. This is an invitation to partake with Christ and allow him to transform and that we start to be obedient in relationship. Uh, Even when the going gets tough and rough, that we stick together. That we stick in there and love with loyal love as we have been loved. That the world may know. That the world may know. So why? 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 It's a loyalty issue. Why do I need to stick in relationship? Why do I put myself through that? It's because we've been loved by that kind of love. And we've been called to take it to our world, take it into relationship, and show the world a different way. That's loyalty. Friends, how would that make a difference in your story today? How would that change some relationships that you're in? Would you leave the door cracked for the possibility that it would transform you too? You see, I, I, I think sometimes we miss that in those moments, we're not, just care, we're not just being loyal outwardly, but there's something about that process, that growth that's changing us too. It's a both and idea. I have a story here of, of a neighborhood, and there's a gentleman in the clip named John Keller. He experienced transformation, change of heart through loyalty. For most of us, Come in. being a good neighbor means loaning a stick of butter. Maybe the occasional social visit. Hello. How are you, Kathy? But Kathy Felt of Sandy, Utah says whatever your standard, it pales compared to what her neighbors did for her. What was your reaction? I cried. Just like now. I was so moved. It's my miracle. Kathy's miracle began about 10 years ago. Her MS had progressed to the point where she couldn't even get into bed. And since she lived alone, the only logical long-term solution seemed to be a nursing home. Until one day, the guy next door came over and presented Kathy with a list. A list of about 60 men from the neighborhood who were willing to come over in teams of two to put Kathy to bed. Take off her slippers, take off her socks. One guy gets on one side and one guy gets on the other side. Lift her up, put her on the bed. (laughs) It's a process. You got to have a pillow under this foot. Things need to be just so. She finally says, I feel good. Perfect. Pull the covers up and she's tucked in for the night. We leave the kiss out. Yeah, yeah, good, okay. Kathy's two sons and an aide help her in the morning. But this nightly ritual has been going on seven days a week for 10 years now. We're going to be here as long as she needs us. Keith Pugmire is the main organizer. Our challenge is to get everybody a time. Wait, wait, wait. You've got more volunteers than you need? Yeah. What kind of neighborhood is this? This is a great neighborhood. (laughs) Clearly. There's some houses for sale you want to move in. (laughs) Before you call a realtor, though, 
One caveat. When Keith first started soliciting volunteers, he says not everyone was a natural Florence Nightingale. I can't say I was excited, I'll, t I'll tell you that. Coming into somebody's home, it's a woman. And I have no health care background at all. Here's that, here's your phone. There was definitely an evolution, and it was most evident in this man. Did you want to do this? His name is John Keller. No. no. John now admits the only reason he agreed to help Kathy was because he knew he would look bad if he didn't. That's hard for me to say. I had always considered myself as a good person, Christian. Then I realized maybe I'm not. I wanted to be a better person. Today, John says the simple act of lifting Kathy week after week has made him a profoundly better person. A good reminder that burdens are sometimes blessings in disguise. Yeah, no problem. Hey, anytime. Seven days a week for 10 years. Like, that's loyalty. That's loyalty. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, I, there's a tension in this, right? Because we know that we're not to be doormats. We know that we need healing. We know that God has gifted counselors, that God has gifted ministries to help us figure out healthy relationships. And so we believe that is true, and that's very much the nature of God and healing in relationship. But we also see and sense his call to loyalty. And so our call as followers of Jesus is to stand in that tension in faith and trust in him. And to see it through our lives. And that's going to be different for each one of us. But let's start with our loyalty to Jesus. Let's start there and allow Him to work through us in relationships. How's your loyalty today? How's your loyalty? Our prayer this week is simple, it's familiar. Our response today is just to simply say, Lord, give me the courage. Give me the courage to love the people in my life with your selfless and loyal love. To live out the command to love as you have loved us. That's our prayer today. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we hear your words. We hear your call, Lord, to love as you have loved us. Lord, we, we can't totally comprehend the many ways you've loved us. Lord, we see the cross. We participate uh, uh, through the sacrament of communion. But, Lord, we, we fail to uh, understand completely your unending love. But, Lord, we do see that it is great, that it is loyal and faithful. And so, Lord, today we hear your call to bring that love into our relationships, Lord. Lord, in wholeness and health and in a way that honors you.
And so, God, today, as followers of you, as, as our hearts desires to please you and to be transformed, we simply say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. So, Lord, today, will you give me the courage? Yes, Lord, give me the conviction of heart to love the people in my life with your selfless and loyal love. Lord, we need you. We need you at work in our hearts, in our lives, to make that a possibility. But we say yes, Lord, in that tension today. We want to be loyal in relationship. Give us the courage and the conviction to love like you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.